Nothing like celebrating Valentine's Day with the love of your life and Connor Hellebuck pitching a shutout against the San Jose Sharks. Were the Jets good? Was this a close game? Find out more on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. Your Locked On, the Hockey Jets. Your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Good evening, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. Doing so, of course, is always free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. Most of all, though, we just love and appreciate your support. Tonight's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Now, like I said, the Jets just finished pitching a shutout against the San Jose Sharks. 1-0. Winnipeg basically outshot the Sharks something like 40-20 to around there, uh, give or take a few. And I think a lot of people were kind of like, not necessarily bored by the game, uh, but it wasn't, you know, the liveliest of home outings, right? The Jets were were good, and I, I would say that they definitely controlled much of the game, and you could argue that Winnipeg deserved maybe three to four goals. Uh, unfortunately, for some reason, every time uh, a San Jose Sharks goalie plays against Winnipeg, it's like they turn into flurry during the Vegas series. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know why the Jets struggled against, like, Sharks goalies in particular, because, like, they do seem to at least score a few more goals against other opponents. But for Lord knows what reason, Winnipeg was only able to scratch out one goal in this game. Kakinen, I guess, was dialed in. I don't even know. He had to make some pretty crazy saves. And for Hellebuck's part, you know, he was pretty decent, right? The Sharks didn't get a lot, but on the few chances they did get, there were a couple of hairy moments. Uh, the most hairy moment, of course, being the one where Mark Shifley had to slide in behind Hellebuck and actually make a save on a puck that was very nearly probably just an inch from like crossing the line completely. I don't know if you could actually rule that one, even if you had video replay, just because to me it was inconclusive. I, I think it would have been really, really hard without a direct top-to-bottom view. So, um, yeah, I guess the Jets were fortunate. Otherwise, though, I mean, Winnipeg really didn't have much to worry about. The Sharks had to settle for a lot of deflections and point shots, which, funny enough, is also how the Jets tried to create a lot of their offense. Yeah, I mean, it was fine, right? Like, Winnipeg did exactly what it needed to do. Uh, The only goal that came out of the entire evening was something that deflected off of Morgan Barron. And even if it had gone to overtime, like a nothing-nothing situation, I suspect the Jets would have won anyways, but I do think we are seeing some of the limitations of this team, especially with like finishing the jets for one reason or another are just not allowed to score goals. I don't know what it is. They went through a period like this last year where the shooting percentage really nosedived. I don't know if that's like the same situation here, but uh, Winnipeg is definitely having a few problems putting it uh, past goalies. And part of it is that I think if you noticed in this game, right, the jets went for a lot of perimeter offense and that's, that's not always the most effective way to create space. You can definitely skate around the, the edges and try and create overlaps and stuff. But I feel like Winnipeg, uh, they they don't use that to get down into the slot all that often. When they finally do, either they miss the pass 
the shot is saved or um, perhaps the jet tries to one-time it and just barely misses the puck. So for one reason or another, Winnipeg just wasn't really allowed to score goals. I think another thing that's probably going to be a little bit damning for the Jets coaching staff is that once again, the power play just didn't really do much. There were some decent chances here and there, but for the most part, we're used to seeing this team not set up in the offensive zone very often. The Jets power play keeps doing like a dump and chase and a lot of the same problems that have structurally plagued this power play for the entire season were again on display. At least the PK looked pretty aggressive and nice, but I think it's, you know, again, uh, against the San Jose Sharks, right? So this is not exactly a super big shock that the Jets were able to um, kind of take advantage of a weaker special teams unit. But overall, I mean, I say weaker special teams unit, and we're talking about a Jets power play in PK that might arguably be worse at times. But all the same, you know, it, it just is what it is, right? We aren't, we're probably not going to see any coaching staff changes this season. Maybe in the offseason, they try and re-examine the power play. I don't know. At some point, somebody's going to have to answer some really tough questions about it. Because I feel like, you know, time and time again, we've seen a lot of the same problems with the power play. And I don't want to say, you know, or want to make this sound like I'm ranting after a big win, right? A shout-out win, nothing to sniff at, awesome stuff. And in a lot of ways, there were good takeaways. But I think in, a, in such a low-scoring affair against a weaker opponent, I think it does also force you to reflect on some of the, some of the other challenges this team currently faces. And I think this game did a really good job of illustrating why I still think the Jets need to acquire some sort of a scoring winger. Uh, as much as like this team has managed to get to this point with some great performances in the first half of the year and a, a team offense that was really dominant, Winnipeg feels like it's missing something. Part of that is the line combinations, which I'll talk about a little bit later because we saw some really puzzling stuff towards the final 20 or so minutes of this game. But in the meantime, right, the Jets probably should be shopping for an extra finisher. I think the, the team could really do with uh, a right winger that can actually punch pucks in the back of the net. It might balance the top nine a little bit more effectively. I just think that there's some stuff that's, you know, a, a bit off. I don't know how to, to how to describe it. It just feels like the, the, the team needs a little bit more scoring balance. Again, it's not bad. I don't think the team is in trouble necessarily, but uh, you could argue that there's a need for an injection of some elite talent. Because like right now, Winnipeg's just not getting enough out of the top nine as it is. They're having to squeak by some of these games. And I feel like with what we've seen from the team in, in past months and in previous years, uh, it, it's not quite good enough. Um, the only thing that I would say is really helping mask some of these deficiencies is the fact that Hellebuck's having like a career season. He's absolutely dominating in net. The Jets are extremely blessed to have him. And, you know, on the whole, right, like mistakes with the lineup or with uh, players struggling to score, it's probably not going to hurt the Jets to the point where they can't get through um, thanks to, you know, Helly and net doing enough and, this team having enough depth to sort of paper over some of those issues with just pure will and, and determination. But by the same token, the Jets are going to need to start buying some goals here pretty soon. Cause like the offense sputtering a little bit, it's not a great sign. And uh, I, I would actually argue that there's a couple of really key changes the Jets need to think about. We'll talk about some of those changes and some of the more confusing things that we're seeing from bonus and the coaching staff uh, in just a little bit. I, I, I think that there are some, worthy talking points for problem areas because I feel like it's the same stuff that we've talked about before, perhaps a little more magnified now, but I really think 
it's it's time for the coaching staff to start making some adjustments and rethinking how they make their deployments and lineup decisions, especially if they're trying to hold a lead. But we'll get to that in just a moment. We've got plenty of time to talk about that. Before we go any further, though, I did think it was really worth uh, shouting out our friends and partners at game time. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. A lot of you have probably had the same experience that I've had where sometimes you're buying tickets a little bit blindly. You're not sure where you're sitting. Uh, or even if you have an idea of the section and row, you might not know if your review is obstructed, right? It's a bit of a, a gamble. And look, no one wants to spend like $200 on a sports ticket to find out you can't actually see half the field or in this case, half the rink, right? Not often that you'll have obstructed views and stuff, but game time wants to take all of the guesswork out of that. They know it's it's painful. They know how much these tickets can be, and they want to offer you not only in-venue views, but they'll also give you killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, and a best price guarantee. They really want to make this as easy as possible. They come back by a lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and so much more. And of course, like I said, you'll often have an in-venue seat view, so you actually know what you're paying for, which can be really helpful if you're trying to match that perfect ticket, find the exact spot you want. And thanks to their last-minute deals and uh, flash sales, you can be sure that you're getting some of the best prices in the entire industry. And you know, as somebody who's had to buy last-minute tickets myself, that is really awesome. So if you're like me and you want to take the guesswork out of buying tickets, go with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and be sure to use promo code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L O C K E D O N for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Hello, friends. Welcome back to this episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, thank you so much for rejoining us on tonight's episode as we are checking in on the Jets post-shutout win over the San Jose Sharks. Was a relatively comfortable win, a couple of mistakes here and there, but uh, for the most part, the Jets did not get punished. Winnipeg held true for much of the game, generally dominated control of the of the ice and, the, and of the puck, created lots of opportunities, just couldn't actually capitalize on more than one of them, which is pretty funny. Um for some reason, like I said, the Sharks just seem to have our number when it comes to limiting our, our goal production. I don't know what it is, but I guess San Jose has something in the in that shark water. I don't know. But uh, before we talk about some, some things that I think the Jets have also done to themselves that are maybe making it a little bit harder than they need to, uh, I do want to let you know something really cool the Locked On Network is doing. We have launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube, and now Amazon Fire TV. Locked on Sports of the Day is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with our local experts and our national shows covering every league. Find Locked on Sports of the Day now available on the free Fire TV channels app and YouTube. Now circling back to the Jets, right? I just alluded to something about the Jets making life harder for themselves, uh, perhaps a little bit awkwardly worded, but... Look, Winnipeg is a very good team, and I think that's not really changed throughout the season. Even with the recent slump, this team is still built to succeed. So why then am I saying the Jets are making life harder for themselves? It kind of comes down to a couple of key things, right? The first problem is that the Jets are really hell-bent on keeping the top line with Shifley and Connor together. That duo, Winnipeg, is really steadfast, and it was a, it was a thing even when Wheeler was around. The Jets have really locked in on it. And I think to some degree, the coaching staff tends to look at things from the perspective of, of historical reference. And 
what they envision the line should be, right? They have this idea that Shifley and Connor, two of your most skilled scorers, should be magic and automatic together. The problem is that it doesn't really work that way in real life. And I think the Jets have tried to force it. They've tried to make it a thing. It just isn't. Uh, the way that Connor and Shifley feed off of each other is that oftentimes they really don't. Uh, the only time that you'll see them connect are on some good opportunities around the slot area. But otherwise, I think KFC has really struggled to fit in since returning. It just seems like his style of game is very much kind of a lone wolf goal scorer. Whereas with Ehlers and Shifley playing together, there's a lot more tiki taka, rapid small feeds, uh, quick one time passes or quick one timers off of short passes, stuff like that. That's kind of exploiting an attacking space. And it's not that Connor can't do this. I just feel like his game is more suited to engaging players one on one when he's in possession. When he has to be somebody who participates in build up a lot more aggressively and is actively feeding his line mates, I feel like that is where you start to see some of his limitations, right? He's an elite goal scorer, but I feel like. That whole thing with him and Shifley, it just doesn't really have that much chemistry. Uh, it, it has some moments tonight, but you also noticed some of the bigger issues like the fact that that line is not very good defensively and offensively just has struggled to get it done. So that's a combo I think the Jets really need to kind of split up. Connor and Shifley really shouldn't need to play each other or play with each other. I, I feel like that is uh, something that you know, the coaching staff keeps trying to force, but at some point you just have to look at the line combos and realize you had something better already that honestly absolutely smoked the competition. The Jets had one of the best top lines I've ever seen with Ehlers, Shifley, and Velarde. And I just don't understand why the Jets are so fixated on this idea of having Connor there instead of Velarde. Velarde himself has slowed down considerably. I feel like he's not really been uh, as noticeable. And I think a lot of that is because the line combos just don't really suit his his particular style of game. He's, to me, an elite facilitator, somebody who's so good at feeding off of really talented line mates, and not in the sense that he's a passenger, but his transition game and the way that he can really dominate control of the puck along the walls, that stuff kind of needs really smart players paired with him to make the most of it. Because, like, Velarde has this uncanny ability to attack the slot and slide in almost unnoticed when Shifley and, and Ehlers are doing a lot of the perimeter work. So for me, uh, Velarde, since sliding to the second line, it's just not really been uh, one of the most attractive watches. Now, if you put that line back together, suddenly you have one of the hottest lines in the NHL. They dominate control of the offensive zone. They create tons of chances, and they'll probably score quite a few goals, which then kind of leads you to like your middle six and, and other line combos. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that I love the idea of Perfetti, Connor, and um, uh, Monaghan together. I'm trying to figure out the best way to like suit Monaghan's game to this team. It feels like Sean has... Um, the first few games at least struggle to find his footing and that's sort of expected for a brand new player, right? A guy who's never played with his team before. Uh, he's facing all new line mates and, you know, the Jets have probably juggled some things around during practice and in his first few games. But by the same token, you know, when Stastny first got here, you could immediately see why he was such a highly touted acquisition. With Monaghan, the, the fit hasn't been nearly as immediate. He's not been bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like I just need to see more from him because as it is, he's not super assertive on the puck. He's more of, again, what I would call a facilitator, which is not, not a bad thing at all. It's just I, I feel like with what the Jets kind of gave up for him and potentially, you know, in, in sort of um, 
future costs and stuff, you know, future trades that they might have been able to make when they had the first rounder still in their possession. You know, I, I'm just I'm not sure. Right. The opportunity cost of Monahan might have been a little bit higher than the Jets uh, were perhaps hoping for. But I, I do think Monahan will start to fit in a little bit. He's had a couple of really good chances the last few games. I'm sure he'll get his first goal here pretty soon. He's going to want to start finding the back of the net here, uh, especially with some tough opponents like Vancouver coming up this weekend. But again, as it is, like the worst I can say is I've just noticed him there. You know, I, I haven't really thought he's been bad. I don't think that he's been crazy good yet. But I suspect that at some point he'll start to gel a little bit more and we'll see a bit more out of him. Now, there's one other really puzzling decision that I think the Jets have have kind of gotten wrong on multiple occasions, and it's how they handle late game situations. Uh, we saw Ayafalo and Ehlers, or uh, yeah, Ayafalo and Ehlers swap places, demoting Ehlers to the fourth, demoting Velarde basically to the fourth, and trying to make some of your depth lines and depth players your main defend the lead types. It just doesn't really make sense to me, uh, especially when you're only you know, up by one goal. I think the Jets have this notion that they can defend these leads well, and they they kind of can, but the problem is is that you start to sacrifice your top talent and you limit your offensive output, right? The Jets have struggled to score, so ben, or like not really benching, but even just demoting two of your best attackers further down the lineup doesn't really fit the bill for me. And like Ayafalo is just not really that strong of a defensive presence, especially with Connor and Shifley not exactly being uh, defensive giants themselves. So I feel like Winnipeg has has to get out of this habit. I know Bones has very clear roles for his players. He's got a very clear vision of what he wants to do with them. But at some point, you've got to stop thinking that way. I, I It's one of the few areas where I really, really strongly disagree with the way that Bones does it. Even Arneal, I think, had a better handle on this stuff, which is kind of odd because when I when I thought about Arneal taking over the head coaching job, I thought he'd be more old-fashioned, but honestly, he might be a little more progressive uh, than Bones is. So some food for thought. I think the Jets have made, you know, at times things a little bit harder for themselves than they need to, but thankfully, because this team is still really strong, it hasn't bitten them in the butt yet. Now, one thing that has popped up recently, thanks to some comments from Shovel Day Off, is that the Jets might actually be done making a lot of big acquisitions, which, if that's the case, this team could be in for a bit of a turbulent time over the next month or so while they start to tr you know, try and get themselves into playoff shape and are, well, frankly, they're just looking for goals from somewhere on this team. We'll talk about what this could mean and whether the Jets are really done with the trade market or if there's more uh, to come here over the next few weeks. But before we go any further and get into that, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's 150 bucks if your bet wins. You can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and so much more. As somebody who doesn't personally follow basketball all that much, I still know that there's a few players that I really do enjoy uh, I was sitting down and watching. Steph Curry during the playoffs in his prime was so electrifying. Giannis, I actually enjoy quite a bit in part because like I saw some of his background and history and stuff. You know, all of these great players and, and legends, LeBron, you name it, these guys have been around. They've pulled off some incredible championship runs, 
And of course, if you want to get in on the action and follow their rise to fame, uh, or in this case, their run to the championships for a couple of these guys who might be really in the twilights of their careers, you can also place bets on maybe at, you know the odds that they add one more championship ring to their uh, to their resume, or maybe you're following some of the latest stars and you think you can nail down the number of points they might score in a given game. If you're ready to test your luck and have fun, visit fanduelcom slash locked on and shoot your shot. Fanduel. Official sports book partner of the NBA. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, thank you so much for joining us on tonight's episode as we are wrapping up our closing thoughts. Uh, obviously, we've spent a good deal talking about some interesting lineup decisions, some takeaways from Winnipeg's 1 0 win over the uh, Sharks. Now it's time to talk about some comments from Chevy and more specifically things that he did not say. Uh, so he was asked earlier about some potential um, trade deadline stuff. I think it might have been Murata Tesh of The Athletic who was asking him. Don't remember off the top of my head, but um, the, the Jets, <laughs> look, this is a team that is notoriously cagey. You don't get straight answers from them. And it's not been until recently that we've had more transparency from the team about what they think and how they feel about the team's season and what they're planning for with the roster. So take some of this with a grain of salt. Chevy kind of did his classic Chevy speak where he said, well, we might be done with big trades. We might be nibbling around the edges. We're not sure. Uh, we might not do anything. We'll just have to wait and see. What that tells me is that, you know, I, I, I heard a while back that there was a rumor uh, the Jets were viewing the Monaghan trade as the big one. I'm not entirely sold on that yet. I, I still think Winnipeg, if there's the right fit for a, like a big scoring winger or something or a big D who can really improve the back end, I suspect the Jets might be willing to make a play for it, especially if that D is Chris Tanev. Tanev, obviously, um, a second plus in assets, really reasonable for one of the top right-handed blue liners on the market, and also somebody who would help the Jets with their puck-moving problems. Um, but but Chevy also mentioned Vili Heinle may being an internal addition, so they may not view Tanev as a particular priority, which I can understand. I, I do think the Jets need to kind of reevaluate their top four uh, defense, but um, I mean, if they're chasing like a top attacking player, that's fine with me, right? If that's what you prioritize, I certainly am not going to complain and might actually even agree with that approach. But if the Jets are looking more at the margins, I feel like that's a mistake that they've fallen into far too many times. And it's not because this team isn't good enough as it is. This team is very solid and it's well built, but it would need a lot of things to really go right, more so than you'd have to um, have go right if you maybe made a major acquisition. Because right now the Jets... You can see where there are clear limitations in their goal scoring output in some of their offensive game and how they handle like team defense, right? The team defense is probably one of the strongest parts, but the offense, that's a little more questionable. And, you know, with the special teams and stuff not exactly being the best, it, it doesn't leave you a lot of margin for error. So for me, the Jets really shouldn't be nibbling at the edges. It if there's like a season for you to really take a swing, it's got to be now when Hellebuck is having one of the best seasons of his career. You never really know how often this is going to repeat. And I think for the Jets, you know, looking at both the the near term and longer term contract situations for a lot of their top players, there's just not a lot of room for error, especially if you want to go on a deep run with this group. 
And, you know, with Shifley and Hellebuck both signing extensions, that to me is a priority. You've got to make the most of these guys while they're here. This team has tons of talent to work with. They might be able to add some internal additional talent for their depth units, but otherwise the Jets are going to have to trade uh, and make a, an acquisition and a splash for a bigger fish, which is why I feel like based on how Chevy approached um, conversations like this earlier this year, I don't feel that they're done yet. Uh, I, I think that they're probably teasing the market for a bigger player. I don't know if it's like a strong type or maybe a Buchnevich. If that's the case, you know, I think Winnipeg should be very comfortable paying up some major asset, right? A Barlow might make sense. I don't know if anyone re would really want to take a chance with Lucius. Uh, Chaz, he's immensely talented, but, you know, his entire development cycle has been completely screwed up and he's already dealing with another season ending injury. So, yeah, for me, Lucius probably doesn't have a lot of trade value. I would really stay away from touching any of uh, Lambert, Rick McCrory, Chibrikov, um, or Selimanson. Most of those guys would really have to be part of deals for, like, stud players, right? You're not really touching McCrory, most likely. Lambert, I think, would take it in, like, a really extreme trade, and, you know, Maybe Salomonson is is a little bit more in play. I suspect because he's a right-handed player who's already showing really top signs of being a great second or even first pairing right-handed D, the Jets probably aren't going to move him at all whatsoever. So that leaves you with like Chibrikov and a few other players. Chibrikov is probably somebody the Jets are very much planning in the long term with. I, I think the Jets are not going to really mortgage the future if they don't feel that there's a player with term that they can bring in, right? Like a Travis Konechny or something. With the Penguins doing badly, though, I kind of wonder if you're looking at rentals, Jake Enselman, if he'd be willing to come to the Jets, I really feel like that would be uh, one of the best kinds of acquisitions and rentals the Jets could make. It doesn't tie you up long term. You don't have to worry about the cap implications after the season. Gensel probably wouldn't want to resign anyways. And my guess is, you know, it probably wouldn't be worth resigning him either, especially with what he's likely to ask on his next contract and with how the Jets cap situation is looking at long term. So the Jets have options, right? Winnipeg really should be thinking about bigger swings. If they try and do depth additions, I, I don't hate it, but I feel like the Jets, especially with their finishing, they need a higher-end goal scorer, somebody who can actually punish those pucks and do it on a pretty consistent basis. And you're not going to find many of those kinds of players available, especially if you're nibbling at the margin. So I hope the Jets are investigating a few more top-end options. If they're not, if this is really the best that we're getting, in, you know, with Monaghan and Heinola and maybe McCrory, I would just feel a little bit underwhelmed, like it's a missed opportunity because the number of times that you're going to have all of these factors, a weaker playoff field, an amazing Hellebuck, a team that's generally shown that it's very deep this year and is defensively elite. I just, I can't see many better combos for a championship kind of run. So hopefully the Jets agree and make some moves. I'm really hoping for a big swing somewhere that really catches us all off guard and shows us why, you know, this team really was touted as perhaps one of the surprise contenders of the season, especially as they started racking up wins. But let me know what you think the Jets should focus on in the comments below. How do you feel about Monaghan so far? What are you expecting from the Jets? Do you think any of these lineup changes might help? Drop your comments below or at my social medias at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Over the next day or two, we'll do some preview coverage against the Canucks, monitor the trade market, 
and perhaps start to evaluate which remaining targets for the Jets would make the most sense. But like I said, that's all the time that we have for tonight. I thank you so much for listening and making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. We'll see you back here tomorrow with even more Jets coverage, so don't go anywhere. Have a great night, and go Jets go.